It's a privilege and an honor to be here with New Hope Community Church, my fellow believers, and my close friend. I'm so grateful to be here. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, just want to make sure that we all, you can hear me good on here. Okay, so we're blessed to be in a, a season like we are in today. Though we have to be on technology and online, but the word of God still goes forth. Um, we are so grateful for the word and for all of you who are on Facebook Live, on YouTube, who are online. We are grateful to have you on watching, and I'm so grateful to share with you. We are continuing on this, this series called Directions, and I'm going to be coming with the outward direction. The title is Moving Out the Box. And we are familiar with the thought or the phrase, think out the box. And a lot of times when we use that phrase, it means to think beyond what the norm is or to think uh, in an innovative way. But God wants us to move out the box. I know you're like, okay, wait, what, what do you mean by this? Isn't thinking enough? Yeah, you can think, but doesn't mean that you do what God is calling us to do. You can think, and I want to go to Romans 1 why it could be dangerous just to think with our own thinking in Romans 1 and, and 18 says, let me go to verse 21. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. God want us to think but to move into the direction that he has called us to move. The book um, Expansion um, where um, directions, the series direction is kind of built the foundation where the foundation is, uh, is built on the word of God but the thought of A.J. A. Uh, Sherrill um, talks about the outward direction. And he brings up this passage, and we're all very familiar with this passage of the Good Samaritan. And I've heard that uh, New Hope Community Church, that you're very familiar with this passage. So I'm not going to go so deep in the historicity of it, but I will bring out some points leading up to it. Um, it, it. It's so great to know how Christ is and how he makes sure that he gives us all that we need in his word. And we're going to make sure that we dissect that word. 
But in the, in the beginning of Luke 10, we see that Jesus sent out 72 disciples. And he sent them out to preach the gospel, which we all who are said to be born again, we are called to preach the gospel. Amen. You can say amen. Feel free. I can probably hear that. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> if you see someone just said it, why are you eating your cereal or your breakfast? It's okay. Say amen. <laughs> but the ample commission which Christ gave to the 70 disciples to preach the gospel. One of them, he wanted to be confirmed through miracles because we know that God gets the glory in all things. And then he wanted to show them, the disciples, on how to manage themselves in executing the commission. And then it goes on, and um, that was verse 1 through 16, but in verse 17 through 24, they come back with a report and were amazed at how they, they were able to cast out demons and how they respond to them. But Jesus said, ah, don't get caught up in that. I'm just paraphrasing, if y'all mind me, um, giving the TD version. And, and, and he said, but be, oh, be rejoiceful that your name is written in the book. Be, be joyful that you are called to be with me in paradise. Mm. But I really want to um, talk about this interaction um, with this lawyer that Jesus had. And in um, verse 25 of Luke 10, it said, one day, that's all you need right there is a one day, <laughs> an expert in religious law, and I'm coming out of New Living Translation, um, stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Now, he is an expert, okay? Remember, an expert. But also it talks about he is a lawyer as well. So he's not only just a religious um, expert, but he also a, a religious expert in law, but he's a lawyer as well. So he knows the word and his profession is a lawyer. I want you to hold that. And some of you, um, here we go. <laughs> For those who can see the PowerPoint, we have to move out the box. But this is what Jesus said. Jesus gave a um, parable of the Good Samaritan. And I want a part where the lawyer, when I brought up the lawyer and that he is very wise in the word, it goes, if you look in the verse, it says that he thought to test Jesus. He was looking to test our Lord and our Savior. Now, I'm going to ask you this. Have you ever stood up? Because it says the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. 
when you get so puffed up because of your prestigious um, uh, stage or your position or your job that you have or to the successes that you may have accomplished, sometimes you feel so good that you think you can contest, you can test Jesus or our Lord and our Savior. I'm, I'm probably the only one that felt good sometimes and told the Lord, well, I'm going to just do what I'm going to do. Yeah, I, I mean, because now I, I got a couple of degrees now, or I, I'm, a, I'm a minister now. Well, I think I want to add this to the scripture, or I think I'm not going to serve over here. I'm going to just serve over there. Am I talking to somebody? He stood up to the Lord and Savior. And what's amazing to me is that I can feel his um, arrogance as I'm reading the scriptures. I can see his arrogance. And Jesus replied, and Jesus knew this. He said, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the guy think that he's moving and testing Jesus, but Jesus got him. And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, right, in verse 28. Jesus told him, do this and you will live. But no, read carefully, and this is what I want to get. Verse 29, the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So Pastor Joe Miller, who's a great pastor of this church, wanted me to share with you moving out the box. So if you have someone at the house that's next to you, just turn to them and say, hey, move out the box. Not just thinking out the box, but move out the box. And Jesus started out talking about this parable in verse 30. And it starts out the Good Samaritan. Whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Good Samaritan? Good Samaritan. <laughs> that for a Jewish individual, when you hear Good Samaritan, we will say in English that's an oxymoron. That doesn't make sense. That's like water and, and vinegar mixing well together, or that's good and evil. Their perception of, as a Jewish person, their perception of a Samaritan was they were despised and they were despicable. They were individuals that we see beneath us. As I um, unfolded why the, the, the animosity between the Jews and the Samaritan goes back to 1 King 12 when um, King Solomon's son took over, um, Rehoboam took over, and he wanted to show his um, strength and his will and his might is going to be even harder than his dad. So he made them work harder than people of Israel. They refused to follow him. I'm not going to go too deep with that. But they decided not to follow him. Ten of the tribes decided to not follow him. And he fled to Jerusalem. And we know 
the end of that because our Lord and Savior will come out of that lineage. But then on, for, from when this text was, um, was uh, happening or was written, when Jesus was saying this about the Good Samaritan, that time from when First King happened till then was about 500 years, 500 plus years. And all this time, this animosity didn't dwindle, but it gotten worse. It sounds so prevalent for what we're experiencing today in America. Can I get a witness? Hallelujah. I mean, I'm like, wow, isn't it something? Just around the same amount of years that we have been dealing with the white Americans or the African Americans or the Hispanics, we are seeing a divide still in America. And I've been listening to um, one of my favorite preachers in um, Texas, uh, G. Craig Lewis, and he's teaching out of um, Revelations 12.10, the accuser of the brethren is of the devil. And he was saying there's three categories, but I'm going to add an extra one because someone thought it would be great to um, add an extra category, but it's many more, but I want to hit on these four categories. The social society, or the society that we're living in right now, it has a, a, a category of sin, race, class, and political group. And it was amazing how he talked about with the sin, we divide or we ostracize someone based upon what we think is really bad. How hard it is to forgive a person because of the sin that they did. But I'm here to tell you that Romans 2 and 1 says this, you may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say that you are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself for you who judge others do these very same things. It's amazing that, you know, the Jewish had this religious mindset and they knew the word, they memorized scripture, but it seems like scriptures was um, pick and cho chosen also. Oh, we are familiar with that as well. <laughs> and, but then the second category is race. And we see that Jews don't consider the Samaritans as well as the Samaritans doesn't consider the Jews. Some white Americans don't consider black Americans and some black Americans don't consider white Americans. And then there's social class. You're poor, you're middle class, you're high class. And then you have political group. Oh, I'm a Trump supporter. I'm not down with the libs. Or I'm liberal. Yeah. And I can't wait till that guy gets out the office. Whoever you are supporting, sometimes that thinking keeps you in the box because that is not in line of God's will. And some of us will put that news before the good news. Some of us will watch CNN 
over and over. Some of us will watch Fox News and say, this is the best news. And, M -M and MSNBC, you can see I don't even watch it because I can't even say this stuff. But guess what? I mean, sitting there being programmed and then God saying, that person that you seeing negative, you got to love them. This is what is going on. So this gentleman who is testing Jesus is actually being tested. Jesus already knows his heart. How about you? Do you fit in that category? I know some of us may have some perceptions of individuals before we even give them a chance to show their position, their disposition. And so we want to make sure that we are very careful to not allow the world of a worldview to get in front of our view because the worldview is blinding us. But it's only God's word that allows us to see. I heard that David said that your word is a lamp upon my feet and a light upon my pathway. But if you are in the worldview, you can't see that pathway because all you see is darkness. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. You might not like this. I heard it like this from my old, my pastor back in Michigan. He said, it's tight, but it's right. I know, see, I hear somebody saying amen right there. There you go. And so here, Jesus talked about this Jewish man. And I won't be long with you. I, I won't be long. And he goes on and said, it was a Jewish man traveling. Let me go on and put it up there for you guys. All right, there we go. Yeah, there we go. That's it. Is that the right? Yeah, that's right. I'm trying to get used to this technology, you guys. <laughs> Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came. A priest came, okay, along but when he saw the man lying there he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by and he, then the next one a temple assistant which is a levite walked over and looked at him lying there but he also passed by on the other side but then verse 33 says, <laughs> Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Mm. This is a very familiar story, and it has so much in it, and I won't be with you that long. But I do want to highlight the priest. And the, temp, and the temple assistant. It's amazing that these are Jewish individuals who the Jewish man who Jesus is explaining is battered, who was beaten down. But he was actually despised by his own kind or his own group or those who he called his brothers and those he go to church with. Hmm. I don't know about you, I don't, I don't know if you have been 
hurt by someone you thought was going to be right next, there for you or uh, supporting you and you were battered by the world and they saw what the world has done and they just said, no, I don't want nothing to do with you. You didn't see it coming because you can relate with their race, you can relate with their class, and you can probably relate to their po political group. But you did not see, he did not see that this individual was Jewish. These guys who he called brothers was Jewish. Be very careful how we can box ourselves into thinking that love only comes in different shapes and sizes. Loves only come from Christ. This is where we're headed to because now the love that he would never thought would occur happened into someone or it came from someone who was despised, who was a sinner, consider a sinner, generational sinner, who was a different race, a different class, and probably was a lib. <laughs> Some, somebody, I hear somebody laughing on that. <laughs> but despised Samaritan came along when he saw the man, he felt compassion. Now the other two men, they did social distancing. Did you see that? Did y'all see that? And guess what? The coronavirus wasn't even there. They social distanced because of pride. That sin called pride. When you think that you're above someone else, you're not going to help anyone else. This lawyer feels puffed up too. We're going to get to him. But three things that you need to do in order to move out the box. And it's right there. You have to feel compassion. You have to feel compassion for your neighbor. I want to go to um, just read uh, Matt, Matthew 9 and 36. Because Jesus, in verse 36 of Matthew 9, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that word, the Greek term for compassion is splachnisomai, which means to move from the bow. There we go. The move from the bow, the hurt that Jesus had, that compassion was so intense. I don't know about you, if you ever had a stomach ache, you can't do anything but soothe it. You want it to go away because it's taking over your whole body. This is how Jesus felt. The hurt that he had was not going to be soothed until he was able to help. Does anybody else feel that way about your neighbor? And we haven't got to the neighbor yet. We're going to get there. Well, that was... But, but as we look at the, the, the infirmities that he was feeling 
right here. He was hurting. And then here you have a despised Samaritan who is considered <laughs> beneath this Jewish person showed the compassion of Christ. He did exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did. This is the one example right here for us to move out of the box. Do you have compassion for your neighbor? And your neighbor is one that if you haven't understood now, he's one that does not have anything in common with you, does not have the same background. Skin is probably a lot darker. Skin might be a lot lighter. Skin, I mean, the hair may be coarse. Hair may be on the string side. On my side, it's locked. But that neighbor is not usually the person that looks like you. I'm going to read this real quick um, that uh, I, I got from A.J. Uh, Sherl out of um, Expansive. He said, an obstacle to pursuing the outward direction is our human tendency to exclusively surround ourselves with people who remind us of ourselves. <laughs> Amazing how we think that it's a neighbor that, you know, we would say even Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. You know, just a nice neighborhood. It's a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? The little train. I was always wanting to have a neighbor just like you. And that, that, that's okay. But a lot of times, it could be the neighbor that is in the city. And if you look in, at the text, Samaria was the neighboring country of Jerusalem. They were the northern uh, kingdom, all right? They were the neighbors, but they was not considered the neighbors. We talked about this, that Baltimore County and Baltimore City is almost like it's total different dimensions. And we're talking about having a move from a, a, a move or a movement like never before, but how are we going to have a movement when we don't want to move according to having a movement in our bowel where we are hurting for the city or we are hurting for the county, that we can come together and move together in love of Christ. But the first thing, I mean, that's the first thing we have to do is have compassion, but you also got to come to the neighbor. Because I can stay home and say, uh, Pastor Joe, you know, I love you, brother. I really do. And I didn't show any love to him. He needs me. He's like, hey, you know, I, I, can, you, can you help a brother out? I'm like, I'm praying for you. I did what James told me to do. I mean, not, not to do is to not just go and pray, but you give them something. How often do we do that? Say, oh yeah, we prayed over the city, but have you ever really served someone in the city? Hmm. Come to your neighbor. 
in verse 34, as you look, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds, but he went over, it said, going to him. And he came twice. If you notice that, it says that Samaritan came. And then in verse 34, it says he came again, or in my version says going over. And I was reminded again of Jesus in John 4, where he was um, going back from going to Galilee. And usually the custom um, that the Jewish, uh, when they're, they're traveling um, from to, to, to Galilee, they have to come up to Samaria, but they usually go around Samaria. But Jesus said, I have to go through Samaria. And the reason why, it was that he knew that there was a woman and others who needed a savior. And the custom had been, you need to go around as a Jewish man, you better keep moving, especially not stopping to talk to a Samaritan woman. But Jesus said, I must go through. How many of us are willing to go against the grain? Because that's what Jesus did. Not breaking the laws of the word of God, but maybe breaking up some relationship that shouldn't be there anyways because they despise you because of who you are helping or the work that you are doing with someone that they don't consider. Or you are helping somebody that's a lib. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying that. Or a Trump supporter. Whatever it is, are you going to that neighbor when God telling you, in, this, in spite of what everybody else think? Because Jesus did that. He said, I have to go through Samaria. And then, so we have compassion. In order to move out of the box, compassion for your neighbor. Come to your neighbor. And then care for your neighbor. Hmm. Here we go in Luke 17, another example of a Samaritan loving and submitting to God. And we're familiar with this text. Um, this, the, um, in Luke 17, where the individual, I'm trying to find my tabs, there we go. The individual who came back but before that, he was with 10 other individuals, okay? I mean, yeah, it was, sorry. It was 10 individuals who were sick with leprosy, all right? One of them came back, all right? And the other nine did not. And Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? As has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner. Foreigner is Samaritan. Again, Jesus shows the importance of reaching out to those that we may not consider because we don't heart check. Matter of fact, God told Samuel, he said, you look at the outer appearance, but I look at the heart. And Jesus said, do you see? And I've heard that most of those individuals were Jewish. But here a Samaritan came back 
to Jesus Christ. I want to point out something even deeper. I don't know if pastor even seen this, but I'm looking at this as I'm going to a close. But it's amazing to me as you look at the care of the Samaritan, um, in the, the, the good Samaritan individual, that he was detailed, Jesus was detailed in describing his way of care. He said he, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bills run higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. But if you look, you see all olive oil, wine, the donkey, the inn, the money. And I said, wait a minute. Because we know olive oil represents anointing. And I said, wait, you're talking about the anointing one. And we have the anointing, which we can call the Holy Spirit, in us, those who all believe. Amen? And then it goes on and says wine. Wine represents festivity. And then I, I, I thought about even Paul talking about in Corinthians that the cup is the new covenant between God and his people and an agreement confirmed by the blood which is poured out as a sacrifice. Mm. The donkey, we know that Jesus on Palm Sunday rode the donkey and they said, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And the end was what his mama and daddy, when Mary was trying to um, have Jesus, all the ends were closed. There was no end, those who are Bible scholars. But then I also see that this man paid it all, all his expenses, all his hurt, all his pain. And so I said, wait a minute. I said, this man, we're talking about the good Samaritan is Jesus Christ. And I know that if you haven't found out now that we're talking about ourselves, we were the one that was beat down in the road, laid for dead. And it was Jesus who came by and said, I know that you despised me when you went after the world. I know that you hated me because you went and you worshiped other gods, but I'm still here to give you my, oil, my olive oil of anointing, and I'm going to take you in, and I'm going to soothe your wounds. Is there anybody that hear me right now? And he said, I'm going to, not even that, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit because I'm going to sin to heaven and he's going to descend and then my wine represent my blood which covers all of your sin and then the donkey I'm allowing you to spend the eternity eternity with me in paradise he said now I made you joint heirs when he lift us 
that man up on to the donkey that represent from us being down and being resurrected up with Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say the end. He said, yes, as I told you that in John 14, that um, do not be troubled for where in my father's house, there are many mansions. He said, there's so much room, even though there was not one room when it was time for me to be born, but I made room for everyone. And that he said, I paid the price. I paid the price so you can go outward. If you haven't known, this is Jesus all the time. But Jesus wants us to go against our perceptions and obey him in every way, knowing, believing that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He said, I must go through. Are you ready to go through? Are you ready to go out the walls? New Hope Community Church, are you gonna fulfill, are you ready to fulfill that calling. I want to go to Luke 6 before we end, just in closing. For those who are PowerPoint, I'm sorry I wasn't keeping up. <laughs> um, it's a great experience to have the audience online. <laughs> Luke 6 says this. Love your enemies. That's your neighbor. Luke 6, 35. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. <laughs> then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. You mean to tell me if all these other things I thought because I was coming to church, I don't find that in scripture where I'm acting as a child of, of, of the most high. But here it says, if I love my enemies. Hmm. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Jesus said, I was loving you. You were unthankful, and you were unwicked. So verse 36, and this is it. You must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. Splachnisamai. Move another bow. Are you ready to fulfill that name? New Hope Community Church. Community Church. Not your church. Not my church. But Christ's church. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It's amazing how your word is so relevant to us. I thank you that you are the standard of measurement. You showed us that even a lawyer comes and he went to school and he had his degree and for how dare us to test the one who given us that that 
finite mindset and you are infinite. And so, Father, I pray that we, as your church, will give up our perceptions and our prejudices so we can go outward. I pray, I pray that someone receive this word that's ready to go outward because I know that you said that the harvest is truly plentiful, but the labors are few. And so the one who is Lord of the harvest, you have the harvest ready. And so I pray for the workers to come forth. I also pray that those who are part of this wonderful um, uh, community, church, New Hope, their pastor, Pastor Joe Miller, is ready. I've seen what he is doing, that you're doing through him. Lord, raise up those who are willing to come and be right by him side and ready to go out into the streets and to preach the gospel. So we pray, Lord, first of all, forgive us for having the prejudices. Forgive us for not loving you like we supposed to, Father God. And forgive us for putting ourselves before others. But you said, hold others higher esteem than yourself. And so, Father, we will do so. We love you and we thank you. Thank you for helping us to move out side the box.